You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Uh, this morning, I'm just going to share with you for a few minutes, and really I know when I say that none of you believe me, um, and that's good reason because sometimes I do more than a few minutes. The equation is one to five for every minute. I tell you I'm going to speak, it's normally five. Not so today, all right? We're just going to share. I'm going to share something that's just been on my heart concerning faith. Um, the Lord's been walking me through. I want to give to you. Um, and this isn't part of our series. We're done with our series on, on patterns. I hope you got something from that. Check it out on the podcast if you missed any of them. Um, but I want to talk to you today about faith um, and what God's Word. We're going to learn just a little bit from God's Word concerning what he, God's Word says about faith. And this is important because I know and I understand that some of you here um, who have been a part of freedom for a long time, you, you've heard great messages on faith, and they truly are great. Some of you, maybe you, you've just started, you've, you've come, maybe you're here for the first time, and you don't really know about faith, or you've never heard much about faith. And so we're going to look at some, some familiar uh, passages concerning faith, but there's some very important truths about faith that I believe God wants us to understand, primarily because... He wants to move us to a place, and that makes sense because anytime God wants to move somebody, anybody, he moves us by faith. He calls us into the unknown, and that's a little scary, and that's why we have to walk by faith, and I just want to make a couple of just blanket statements before we get started is that um, as a church, we are fully committed to see people become free people in Jesus Christ. And that means that there are people outside these walls that we have to reach, people that maybe exist in your home or exist in your neighborhood or your workplace or your school that God is insanely passionately in love with, um, that his heart is bent toward, that he's asking us to move by faith to go and get them. See, because really today's talk is not about um, the idea maybe so of faith of God moving you into your desires. matter of fact, we're going to kind of maybe even... Um, uh, push up against that notion a little bit and go into the bigger picture of saying God is calling us into his desires and it requires faith and, and it's a little bit scary even okay and that's okay because you don't want to live a Christianity out that is not challenging you in some capacity you don't want to listen as a matter of fact like safe sane um middle of the road, just are, are contradictive terms to Christianity. They're not, they're not meant to go together. Balance is not meant to go with Christianity. Jesus said a lot of confusing things in the gospel. He challenged that idea over and over again. He would get his disciples into a comfortable place where they got it all figured out, and he would go, look, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have a place to lay my head. He would look at somebody who was like, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to go bury somebody. I need to go do a funeral, legitimate thing. And then he would like pipe up in one of those kind of things that we read in the Gospels, and we go, man, Jesus, why did you take that hard edge all of a sudden? And he would say, hey, let the dead go bury the dead. What? What was Jesus doing? See, I believe that Jesus just picked some, some very interesting moments to kind of put us on the place of understanding that in, when it comes to living out our, our, our walk with, with Jesus, our, whatever you want to call it, your faith walk, your Christianity, your walk with God, that it draws us into some uncomfortable things that require us to see things a little differently, not according to the standard of this world. And so what will happen is this, is that we'll begin to challenge some of our expectations concerning God and understand what faith really teaches us in the Word of God. 
And so today we're just going to talk about a couple of things concerning faith. Uh, one is that God desires for us to walk with him by faith. We all understand that, right? We get that. God desires us to walk with him by faith. But in order to walk by faith, it, it, it requires a holistic approach in order to please God. Let me explain that really quick. And, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but every one of us, the scripture tells us, are, are made up of three parts, basically. This is a crude uh, understanding. But we have a spirit. We have a spirit. We have a mind, right? And then we have our flesh. And faith must I- interact with every one of those areas of who we are. And the reason why, and we're going to read in James chapter 2, that, that in order for faith to be really seen, it has to be lived out. And so what that means is this, and why faith has to be holistic, is because it has to sit in the seat of our spirit. We have to receive it and believe it in our spirit. And that's the easiest part, right? Because some of us today during worship, our spirits leapt when we talked about Jesus overcoming the grave, when we sang about that, when we sang about the victorious one, our spirits left. And that's, that's important. That has to happen because that's where God communicates to us through his word. When he speaks to us as the Holy Spirit leads us, that's the starting block, if you would. And it starts there. And it's really actually easy to receive that in your spirit. But the next step is that it has to kind of get up into your mind. And then, then it gets a little bit more challenging, right? Because God begins to speak to us some things that maybe we don't understand or contradict the way we feel or our natural emotions or where we actually are and what we're going through right now. And we've got to reconcile it, balance it in our mind. And so faith has to hit our mind in order to be received. But then finally... It has to be lived out. We have to go do the things that God is calling us to do. If God's asking us to reconcile with somebody, we can understand that in our spirit, and our spirits could resonate with that truth, but our minds have to sometimes hurdle maybe some pain or injustice in order for our bodies to go approach that person and our mouths to speak out something and our hands to be wrapped around somebody. Maybe God's calling you to do something a little bolder in your workplace, and you know that in your heart or in your family, but you've got to reconcile that in your mind. You have to say, God, I need you to implant your word in my thinking so that I can begin to live that out and do that. Maybe it's with your freedom. Some of you have maybe been in a battle with your freedom, and you're going, look, I know Jesus can set me free. Every time I hear the pastor say that, immediately my spirit leaps, and I, I know I can be free from this, but there's always a roadblock. Well, where's the roadblock? It's either in your mind. It's somewhere in your seat of your mind. That you really can be a free people, that you can be a free person, that you don't have to be bound to a substance or a thing or a drink or an item or a person, that you can really be free. And Jesus calls you into that place. And so your, your mind gets reconciled with the word of God so that you can begin to live out a lifestyle that is truly free. And so faith requires a holistic approach. The word tells us also that faith demands our trust in God is above our prom- his promises for us. I'm going to say that again. Faith demands that our trust in God goes above the promises that he has in store for us. Let me say it like this. It's not about my desires alone. It's more that I desire him more. It's not about my desires alone. Faith is not just about me. Faith is not just about what I want. Faith is not just about a personal calling. Faith is about understanding and learning to desire God more. And when that transpires in our life, we begin to live a transformational faith. And we're going to talk about that. Don't worry. We're going to look at the scripture about it. 
Don't take my word for it. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about how faith releases, uh, releases truth in us that is truly transformational. And, and very simply, God calls us into the big things, the unknown things, as he leads us, as he begins to speak to us about the places he calls us, about when he begins to speak to us about loving people, about sharing the gospel, about living a life that reflects the truth of what the word of God says. And here's the deal is that that's way bigger than any one of us. We can't do it in our own strength. And so the the wonderful thing about the journey of faith with God is this, and what makes it transformational is the truth that we can't do it on our own. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. We have to trust the power of the Holy Spirit to unlock the truth and the the desire and, and the ability to do what God has called us to do. And all that boils down to this very beautiful relationship that God intended us to lead us by day by day. All right, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews 11. We're going to read verses 1 and 6 in just a second. Yesterday, um, we built a fire pit in my backyard. Yep, I did it. Uh, I'm not a handy guy. Even though my name's Andy, I'm not handy Andy. And... uh the other day, a few days ago, my wife, she gingerly just lobs these things over the, the deck of my life and goes, uh, showed me something on Pinterest. And we're cleaning up our backyard. I'm not a yard guy either. There's probably a lot of things you guys don't want to know about me. You go to my backyard and be like, oh, man, dude, come on. Mow this thing. I did. And so uh, she's like, hey, what do you think about this? That's code for, hey, I want you to build this, Right. And I'm looking at it on Pinterest. I'm like, that's, that's good. It was, it was really simple. It just required 36 retaining wall stones and some paver stones and a bag of sand and some labor, some manual labor. So I let it sit for about 24 hours. I YouTubed how to do it because I knew I'd mess it up if I tried to just randomly go about doing it. And yesterday morning we woke up and I said, hey, babe, you want to build a fire pit? She's like, yeah, I do. And I said, all right, let's get dressed, let's go to Lowe's. And Lowe's on Saturday this time of year is like Walmart uh, right before Christmas. I mean, it's crazy, right? And so we get one of those big blue carts that you cannot navigate really well. You know, I'm clipping ankles. Oh, I'm sorry, I lo- love you, bye. <laughs> you know, and just going through. And, and we walk around, spend about an hour at Lowe's. We find the stones we wanted. Of course, my wife is a budget person. She knew on Pinterest, the Pinterest thing was like, this is how much it should cost. And believe it or not, those stones don't cost that. Pinterest lied, right? And so we find these stones, 36 of them, and we say, okay, we agree. I load them up onto the cart, and then I push them to the line. There's a big line. I get through the line. I, we pay for them. And then I take them to my, my Suburban, and I load them up in the back of my Suburban. We drive home. I said, all right, let's unload them. So I unload them. I put them on the patio. I got to clear a space for it. I clear a space for it. And then I begin to load these things into a circle. We put them in a circle and we build the fire pit. And believe it or not, this fire pit came out really nice. It was, actually looks a lot like the picture on Pinterest. It wasn't a fail. But I began to think about it and I said, oh man, I have lifted these bricks five times in the course of this day. So 36 times whatever, 15, 20 pounds a piece, you know what I'm saying? My back started to get a little sore. And I said, man, this is like a labor of love for this. 
and I realized something that, you know, this is similar to our faith walk. Because we see something and God speaks to us and he, he throws something into, the, into our spirit. He puts it in there in a loving way as a loving father and says, hey, would you care to journey with me to this place in your life? Would you care to take a step toward my love? Would you care to take a step toward my freedom? Would you care to do this? And at the end, this is what it could look like. But the in-between, that initial, that initial drop and the revelation of what is to be comes a moment where we have to begin to work this out. We've got to begin to work this out. And I'm not insinuating that we do this in our own strength. What I'm telling you is that there is a journey of faith between the time God deposits something in your spirit before the revelation of it that has to be worked out by faith. And it takes time. And it takes agreement. And it takes expectation. And it takes obedience. And it takes surrender. And it takes humility. And it takes these things that we must do in order to see that which what God has promised Come to fulfillment in our life. If you're trying to perfect your love life towards somebody, if you're trying to love somebody better, be a kinder person, remove anger from your life, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen over a series of days and weeks and months to come that you are going to lay down your life. In essence, allow the Holy Spirit to crucify your life in order that you can begin to control your mouth, Control your actions, your reactions, your expectation, your responses, all these things. And one by one, humble them under who God is and what he has called you to. And this is very similar to our faith walk. So here's what we see in Hebrews 11, 1, 1 and 6. We see a very clear definition of faith, and it says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Verse 6. <clears throat> and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek them. I mentioned this already, but it's this holistic approach. And Hebrews 11, 1 and 6 give us an understanding of this. That faith indeed starts in the seat of our spirit and it uses a very very powerful word in verse 6. It uses the word believe. And this is the word trust. This is the essence of faith. That we must believe God. That when God speaks through His word, we must believe it and receive it as truth. It is the thing that guides us. When 1 Corinthians 13 calls us to love, I know I'm talking a lot about love right now, but I want you to easy it's an easy illustration. But when it tells us what love looks like, that is not meant to be amended by our own personal feelings about love or about the way people have loved us and what we should do in return. Does that make sense? So when God tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 what love looks like, He's not saying, well, listen, there's a clause in there if somebody did you wrong. You don't actually have to be kind to them. He doesn't do that. And so in order for faith to work in us, it has to be seated in our spirit and it has to start there and it has to be believed as absolute truth. And the clearest way to know what God is calling you to is through His Word. Friends, if we would just simply look at the Word of God as God telling us what He asked us to do and say this is truth, 
This is the way we're supposed to treat each other. This is the way we're supposed to love people. This is what we're supposed to go after. If we simply looked at the word of God and we believe God when Jesus gave the greatest commandment and he said, love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, the whole entirety of your being, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, God, that is what you're calling me to do. And we received it as truth. It would begin to shape the way we approach the world by faith. We begin to look at it differently. It starts in the seat of our spirit, but this word believe takes another context in our understanding because it moves from the seat of our spirit to the seat of our mind. And we've got to believe it in our thinking. We've got to receive it in our thinking. And this is what the Scripture talks about in Hebrews 11.1, where it talks about the assurance of what we do not see. And I would go ahead and just gently put out to you this morning this truth that anything God's calling you to is something that you're not looking at with your natural eyes. Anything that God is calling you to, he is, you're not seeing it with your natural eyes. And so that means this, is that we've got to become a people that earnestly expect the unseen. We've got to be a people that earnestly expect God to call us into things that are not yet in existence. That means this, no matter what the shape of anything in your life looks like, if it, the Word of God says something, then you have got to believe that as truth in your spirit and then begin to see that as truth in your mind. And say, God, this is what you're saying and this is what is true. Think about that for a second. Let that kind of just sink into your, into your heart really quick. Because when we look at the condition of things on this earth, what, is, what do we see? What do we see? Does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with the truth of his word? Because if it doesn't, we're not walking the walk of faith with God. And then finally, it has to take root in our action, in our lifestyle. Faith that pleases God is faith that is acted upon. And it brings us to an understanding that we are being guided in obedience and whenever we talk about faith that's lived out, the key word here is obedience. That we're living out in obedience the things that God is calling us to. What would a church look like if we radically loved our community? According to God's word. What would a church look like if we begin to ask ourselves the question, what can we do to make this community a better place as a reflection of God's love? See, that's what God's calling us to. What if we turned off, and again, you guys hear me say this all the time, so forgive me. I'm not telling you to do this in entirety. But maybe what if we fasted news for a little bit? Maybe if we, what if we put down the opinions that we hear raging across every line of social media and, and every form of communication that is rampant right now, and we said, God, what, what if we just attach our hearts, our hearts to your word and what you're saying about the, this world, about the lost, about the broken? Maybe we would see people a different way. Maybe we begin to see people, instead of being the people that are distant and far off or different, we begin to see a people who actually God is passionately, madly, deeply in love with. And then what happens if we're so consumed with that in our spirit and we begin to see that, that it begins to change the way we walk 
and we begin to do things differently. We begin to love differently. We become a church that's not, and this isn't us. I'm not saying this as anything negative about us. This is not who Freedom Christian Fellowship is, who any of you are. But what if the church as a whole did this and said, God, it's not just about here on Sunday, but it's about out there. Like we got really lit up on Sunday so that we carried it outside the four walls of the church Monday through Saturday. All right, let me stop. You guys are like, dude, you busted your few minutes all to pieces. Jump over to James chapter 2, okay? Here we go. We're going we're gonna to speed through this, all right? Now, this is what James, James throws this monkey wrench into, this idea of faith. It's a bigger story for another day. Verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Hmm. Oh, that's problematic. Pastor, that contradicts Paul. Paul said we're saved by faith alone. Actually, it's not. It doesn't contradict it at all. It's not in disagreement with that. What it's actually saying, what it's alluding to is that when faith is alive in us, it causes us to do something. In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Drop down to verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Now we need a, we need a background really quick on this story because... Here we see the author of Hebrews jumping up and using, I'm sorry, James. We see James jumping up and using Abraham as an example, but not just Abraham. We see him using a particular scary story in Abraham's life as an example of faith and works and the collision and the need for the holistic approach of faith. If you'll let me for just a second go through this story in Genesis 2 just briefly, 22. I want to just show you this because the scripture talks about this and here's what is being talked about here by James. In Genesis 22, 1 through 3, it's a conversation that happens between Abraham and God. It's a crazy conversation. He says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, exclamation point. He yelled at him. Abraham said, here am I. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God God told him to go. This is one of those times that God just looks simply vindictive and mean and very ununderstandable. God here has a conversation with Abraham after he has spoken to Abraham, after he has led Abraham, called him from his homeland and called him into a land unknown and said, I'm going to give you a nation unto yourself. God 
has this conversation. He cuts covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. All these wonderful things have taken place. He drops another bomb on Abraham and says, you're going to be a father of many nations, meaning that you're going to have offspring. The problem we all know was that Abraham and his wife Sarah were really old. A hundred. Abraham was a hundred. Sarah was in her 90s. That's unconceivable. Inconceivable. And yet God fulfills that promise, doesn't he? Abraham tries to subvert it. He tries to make it happen another way. God says, no, not at all, Abraham. I'm going to give this to you through Sarah. I'm going to let this happen through Sarah. And what does God do? Surely enough, in her old age, she conceives and gives birth to Isaac, the promise. And here we see Isaac coming in. So we see God being extremely faithful to Abraham. And now what God does is looks at Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to kill Isaac. There's no kind, gentle way of saying this. He looks at him and says, go and kill Isaac. Now here's what's confusing about the scripture. is because in between this conversation and the next day, there's nothing said. But you can believe me and yourself that there was a lot being said between Abraham and God. There was a lot of things that had to be reconciled in Abraham's head in order for him to go up to the place that God called him to and to be willing to to sacrifice Isaac. See, this wouldn't be of any importance unless James brings it back into the New Testament story and says, listen, this mark of faith that Abraham committed to was a sign of obedience and righteousness. This is the kind of faith that pleases God. Wait a minute. And I can just simply imagine Abraham going, and the scripture tells us that he cuts the wood himself. He had plenty of servants, but he cuts the wood himself. And I could think that every time he cut down a branch or cut down a tree and divided it up, he was thinking, is this going to be what I lay my son upon? And I bring the knife to his body and I sacrifice him as a sacrifice unto God, the God who has cut covenant with me. Is this what it's going to be? And every cut of a log he made, he had to think to himself, is this the right decision? But the scripture tells us that he does it. He walks up Moriah and he goes up there and he goes to the place and Isaac's asking him all sorts of questions like where is the animal, dad, that we're going to sacrifice? And and Abraham simply replies, God will provide. Now if it was me, I would be heading the opposite direction. I would tuck and run. I'd say, come on, son. We're, We're going back home. We're going back to the motherland. You know, Like we're running as far and as fast as we can. But Abraham marches up Moriah and he does it to the point where he lays Isaac upon the altar. Now get this in your heart, folks, because this is faith. It's not my picture of faith. It's what God's word says. He brings a knife up and in the instant God yells down from heaven and says, Stop, Abraham. I have seen your heart. I have seen your heart. I have seen your heart. And can I tell you, can I tell you just one thing that might have happened concerning this that's not polished and it's not clean and it's not nice and and sometimes we like to skirt around it like it doesn't really really affect our faith today. But, But God brought Abraham to the place of saying, do you trust me over my promises for you? Do you desire me 
more for who I am than what I can do for you? Do you trust me to be the protector and the provider of your future, even when your future is about to be cut out from underneath you? Do you trust me? God provided a sacrifice. Isaac went on to be the father of a nation. God was faithful. God wasn't being vindictive. God wasn't being mean. God was bringing us to a place of understanding about faith. Here's what Abraham's faith teaches us. That God must be trusted above all other things, even when we don't understand. To get to the place God is calling you to fulfill what God has asked all of us to do as part of the Great Commission, God has to be trusted above all other things, even when we don't understand. There's a lot of things we don't understand right now, but God must be trusted. His undying love for people, His passion for people must be trusted. God can be trusted because He is good. But He's not good according to your goodness. And God is faithful. But God is not faithful according to your idea of faithfulness. How puny and weak it would be if God was good according to our standard of goodness. How feeble and slight it would be if all God was was good according to my standard. But see, God's goodness brings us into something that is so powerful and transformational in our faith that leads us into something so powerful, a revelation and an understanding of His goodness that He is true. Faith brings about the expectation that God is moving us from one transformational place in our walk to another. Abraham's faith also teaches us that our faith is not rooted in our ability to re- reconcile the promise. It's not in our ability to reconcile the promise, but in the highest truth that the one who has promised is faithful. See, when God calls us by faith into something, He's not looking for you to perform it. And oftentimes, this is probably the thing that is the hardest part of our faith walk. Initially, He's not even asking you to understand it. He's asking you to trust Him. He's asking you to step into the palm of His hand, to the heart of the Father, to know and understand a new level of His goodness and His faithfulness in the one who is truly faithful. See, when we begin to walk with God in this understanding and we look at His Word as truth and we begin to adhere to it and hold on to it and we trust Him even when we don't understand, it becomes something that becomes super strong in us and so transformational. And the question this morning is very simple. Do you have transformational faith? Do you have transformational faith? These are questions that I'm asking myself. Do you trust God even when you don't understand Him? Do you believe that He is good and worthy to be trusted? This morning I found myself as we were worshiping, lifting my hands and saying over and over again, God, you are good. Thank you for not being good like me. Thank you for being good like you. Are you asking Him to lead you into the depths of His love? That sometimes feels a little frightening. 
But it's the best, safest, most valuable place you can ever be. Are you following him in obedience, knowing that he is working out his life in you and that this life is indestructible? Are you following him in obedience? Are you looking at his word and saying, God, every bit of it I trust as true, that I will walk by it by faith, that I will trust you in my spirit, I will reconcile my mind to it as truth, and I will live it, walk it out. Have you seen his faithfulness in your life? And are you bearing the fruit of faith in your life? See, the most beautiful thing that happens when we trust God and we lean into God and we look at his word and we understand what he's saying and we trust him even though we don't understand or even though it's difficult or even though it's painful is that it begins to bear a fruit in our life that is undeniable. A fruit in our life that leads to life and bears more life in us. And very finally, as we close this morning, Justin, come on up. You say, well, listen, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but there's some things that are happening in my life, some, some hard, some, some deep things. And I understand that. This isn't a criticism. This message isn't a criticism. It's a challenge. It's an encouragement to trust the one who is faithful, the one who is bringing you to life. Because if I could say this very gently to every person here, that if there's an area of your life that is not bearing fruit, that it's not bearing life in it, that God wants to lead you by faith into a life-giving place. He loves you. He's calling you. He is moving you. So how do we get there? Paul writes in Romans ten seventeen as he writes to the Jews in the context of them hearing the message of Christ. And he says, listen, how can they hear unless somebody speaks? How can someone speak unless they go? And then he reconciles and said, they have heard. They have heard. And for every one of us, from the Jew to the Gentile, Paul concludes, and he says this, we're transformed in this one manner. Our faith is transformed in this one manner. In Romans 10, 17, he sums it up and he says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so this morning, if we find ourselves in a place where our faith feels battered or weak, or we feel ourselves in that crossroads of being able to trust God, what do we do? And it's very easy The answer is very easy, but it it takes a measure of obedience on our part. A simple surrender. I wish there could be another way. I really do. I, I really wish there could be something that could be done, a hand that could be waved, and all of a sudden faith rose up in everybody, and it just it just started to flourish. But in these times, God lovingly brings us to the this place and he allows us to kneel before him. He says, Will you please trust me? Will you please hear what I'm saying and will you please obey it? And we can't obey unless we hear. And so we need to hear. This is our starting block. We need to hear. We need to pray and ask God to speak to us and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through His Word. We need to hear. We need to hear. 
Faith in Jesus requires hearing His message through the Word. And I understand that this is the starting block for salvation, but I could really sit here and argue with every person here and say that that's not the sum total of our faith. See, Jesus didn't simply come for you to just have faith in Him just to get you out of hell. That's where it starts. He covered the penalty of your sin. It's a message that most of us have heard before. But listen, He covered and He covered the penalty of your sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus did, God did, what He asked Abraham to do on Moriah. And it's really interesting Because that's really a type of Christ, what God asked Abraham to do with Isaac. As a matter of fact, the language is similar to John 3.16. When he looked at Abraham and he said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, the one that you love. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. But that's just the starting place. As we hear the message of Christ, it compels us to something more. It compels us to the life of Christ. And the life of Christ requires consecration. It requires us humbling ourselves, bending our knee as it would be, and saying, God, if there is something in me that is not holding on to the absolute truth and dependent upon the absolute truth of everything, that you are, then I humble my heart. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to make the word alive in me. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to conform me into the image of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. So that in every way, I can obey. So that in every way, I can trust. Our prayers begin to ring out from there. Draw me, Jesus, draw me ever closer to you. Draw me ever closer to you. See, the the walk of faith, transformational faith, requires an intimacy with God that isn't just on Sundays, but it's every day. And it's not just a devotion in the morning, it's a listening throughout the day. And it's not just a one-way street, it's a two-way street of saying, God, I want to please your heart, but I want to know your heart. Would you speak to me? Would you speak to me in those moments when, when things are tough, when, my, when I, my faith feels battered, when I feel like caving, when, when I feel the pressure of life mount up, when I feel things start to go shaky? Will you speak to me and will you reassure me with the absolute truth that can be seated in my spirit so that my mind can receive it, so that I can begin to live the truth and not another way? And as we pray that, our prayer becomes, Holy Spirit, lead me and flow through me every place you call me. Every place you call me. If I can hear, I can believe. If I can believe, I can reconcile it to be truth. And if it's true, it must be followed and obeyed. If I can hear it in my spirit and receive it in my spirit as truth, the Holy Spirit, will will you please reconcile it in my understanding 
so that I can trust it, follow it, and obey it. That's transformational faith. And the very best part of this is that it's not based on where you are right now. It's not based on any shortcomings that you're, you're finding yourself in. It's not based on any hardship that you find yourself in. Any obstacle or any mountain that is, seems to be in front of you. It's based entirely on the unrelenting love and the truth of God. And by simply saying, God, I trust you, we begin the journey of transformational faith. Can we pray? Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you lead us by faith. You are truly the good Father. That you are truly calling us into great places, into big places. God, we know according to your word that you are calling us and conforming us into the image of your Son. To be and to live the life that your Son, Jesus, came to give. To be a people that love you with every part of our being. To be a people who love the world and see the world the way you do. Holy Spirit, first conform us into that. Help us to obey and reconcile it as truth in our understanding. And begin to live it out through what we say, where we go and what we do. But Father, we also know that each and every person here is dear and special to you. That, God, you put a unique thumbprint of your identity upon them. And that you're calling them into wonderful things. Things that they may not even be able to understand, imagine, or comprehend right now. You're calling them into the beautiful unseen. And so, Holy Spirit, in this very moment, will you deposit that transformational truth in our spirits? And, God, would you do only what you can do by your power to reconcile that to our mind so that today from this place we can leave here and take a step of faith toward what you've called us to. Completely knowing, completely knowing and understanding that the one who calls us is faithful, he is good, and he is true. You are faithful, God. You are true. Everything you have spoken is true. And you are good. You are good. And Father, I pray, Lord, for every person here that stands at a crossroads in their faith, where their faith feels weak or their faith feels battered. God, I pray that they begin to take their eyes off of the circumstances that they are walking through right now, that they would kneel before you, lovingly look up to you. God, that you would begin to touch their heart and heal their heart in such a way that the confession of their mouth would be, God, even in this, I trust you. Even in this, you are good. And even in this, I will follow you. God, I thank you that you lead us in such a way that you continually lead us into life, into life, into life. Even when we go through dark times, you lead us into life. Even when we go through hard times, you lead us into life. Even when we have to navigate through addictions, you are leading us into life. So Holy Spirit, by your power, lead us into life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand up, please? He is good. He is good. He is good. If I could just have a couple of our elders come up.
teams, ministry teams, come up, please. Spud and Keith, come on up. Rodney, Pam, if you're back there, come on up. Rodney, come on up. This morning, as we close out here today, and I hope that you, I pray, and if for any reason, if anybody received this message in any way other than encouragement, I apologize. I don't, I don't want to come across as anything less than encouraging because I believe that's who God is. But this morning, if you need prayer for anything, I'm so happy and I'm so thankful that in God's goodness, He's still in the business of healing our physical bodies. Amen? Amen? He is. And listen, I know that some folks here may have been walking through, and you hear us say this a lot. You're walking through some difficult times in your physical body, and you say, well, how long do I have to wait? And I wish I could tell you. I wish that it could have happened the first time you prayed. I do. But yet I know that He is faithful. And yet I know that he is good. And yet I know that he heals. And we want to join our faith in with your faith. And we want to pray. Some of you this morning are going through some things in your families. And you say, listen, it's, it's a mess. We want to pray with you. We want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for the strength. Maybe to lay some things aside. To change some things. To humble ourselves and to say, look. Maybe there's some repentance that's necessary and needed. In order to bring healing to my house. Maybe I need to obey the word of God above all things. And cut everything else out. See listen if your pattern that you're in isn't working. Then it's time to stop that pattern and try God's. Because his pattern will work. And then for every person here. My prayer for all of you. Right where you are. Is this. That we would walk boldly by faith. That we would see the world around us the way Jesus does and that we would love boldly and radically and pull in those who God is drawing by his spirit into his loving salvation his life and his freedom amen amen love you guys very much bless you guys in the name of Jesus Christ the name that's above every name if you need prayer this morning please come forward we'll see you guys on Wednesday